You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, First in Foxborough faithful? It's Kyrie Thompson back with another episode of your favorite daily Patriots podcast. Make sure you download, subscribe, listen, stream it on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. We have a special guest today, John Lyons, assistant football coach, wide receivers coach, my old position way back in the day. We we're just talking about that at Bridgewater State University. He also contributes at the New England Football Journal, hosts a new podcast on the Believe Network, does everything. Now he's taking a little bit of time to hang out with us. You could have been anywhere in New England, anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. And we appreciate that. Hey, it's on? a pleasure. I'm looking forward to talking some football today with you. So again, it's just as much my pleasure as it is yours. I appreciate you, man. And got to go on your show on Sports Map Radio a little bit ago before the Super Bowl, the talk shop. That was that was really cool. Love having local guys on, man. So so first of all, obviously, first Sunday without NFL football. Um, that's unfortunately gonna last for a little yeah. while. Seven months to hold us over. But you for you in particular. There's really no there, there. There's not always like this. This huge off season. You always got stuff going on. What does the off season look like for a college football coach? Yeah. So there's one word that describes it all, and that's recruiting, right? So in the NFL world, you think free agency, you think the draft, which I'm all into as well. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But on the college side, it's recruiting because, as you know, if you have better players than the team across from you, it's a lot easier to win. So recruiting is yeah. a huge part. Obviously, strength and conditioning is a huge part. Spring practice is coming up just about a month or so from now. But if there's one word that covers it all, it's recruiting. At the college level, recruiting is the same thing as the draft at the NFL level because that if you're going to build a successful team at the pro level, it's through the draft. The college level, it's all about recruiting. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, I, I went on your on your Twitter a little while ago and I saw you retweeting and liking the new recruits. Over yeah. at Bridgewater State University. Tell me about this upcoming class. Who are you really pumped for? Yeah, we got a great class coming in. And what's kind of unique at our level is at the FBS level, you have that traditional signing day, and then they're kind of done, right? They have their signing day, and then they're already moved on to spring into the next year. Whereas with us, we go a little bit beyond that signing day. So we'll get kids before the signing day, right around the signing day, but we'll also get some kids after the signing day. So what we're really excited about is we already have a great group of kids that we've brought in at all different positions and some transfers, some you know freshmen coming in, but we also still have some more out there that we're looking to bring in over the next month or two. So that's one of the really exciting things at our level. So yeah, it's a little bit longer of a process, but all of a sudden you can wake up one day in April and get yourself another great recruit. So we're really excited about this class coming in that we already have, but we're just as excited about some of the players that hopefully we'll be bringing in in the future. 
Absolutely. You know, you kind of mentioned the, the the grind, right, of, I don't know, just, just the elongated process of you're always trying to get better, always trying to bring in new guys. And then, I mean, you've got, like you said, spring practice coming up. So it's like it's this ever-evolving process. Well, the NFL, the pro side of that is a lot like that. And that's kind of where I want to get back to right now, talking about our local team, the New England Patriots, because this offseason – is going to be huge for yeah. them. I mean, I thought last offseason was going to be big, though. Maybe it was going to be more of a, okay, there, there's a feeling out process here. Second year quarterback, see if he can make a leap. It seemed like they were largely rolling with the same team and just trying to see if they could get a little bit better. Well, last year was kind of a disaster. I mean, and the funny thing is it was a disaster, but they still went eight and nine. When you look back at this last year, particularly with the offensive side of the football, I mean, first of all, what are your expectations for Mac Jones coming into this now really just do or die third year? And also from a coaching standpoint, how much trust do you feel like needs to be rebuilt between the staff and the players after what really just sounded like a lot of tumult? Yeah, it's a great question because this is a staff that went from having the best coaching staff in the NFL in 2018 when they last won a Super Bowl. Let's not, I mean, Josh McDaniels, Brian Flores, Brendan Daly, Ivan Fierce, Dante Scott. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. They had the best coaching staff in the NFL. Chad O'Shea coaching receivers too. Then you move on four years later, they have a staff that's largely underwhelming. Yes, Bill Belichick is the best head coach in the league still, but we saw their special teams take a big step back over the last two years. We saw their offense take a big step back from 2021 to 2022. Their defense, to me, was still a playoff caliber defense yeah. this year, and I don't think that's I a agree. coincidence that that's where the best coaches were. Gerard Mayo's the best assistant coach on the staff. He was on defense. Steve Belichick... I know you can say, hey, maybe he got that position early because of who is that. He's developed, I think, into a pretty good coach, too. Yeah, so he's you good. Have, yeah, so you have two good coaches on that. Arguably, your two best assistant coaches on defense, and I don't think it's a coincidence. They were far and away the best unit on the field. You also had a lot of talent there, for being fair. But I think you, you mentioned the trust being needed to be rebuilt. I think Bill O'Brien goes a long way there because he's already done it before. He's not a new guy. Like Matt Patricia – had never coached offense, save for one year as Dante Skarnecchia's assistant in the mid-2000s. Now you have a guy in Bill O'Brien who not only has he coached offense, he's already been the OC in New England. He was the OC of a year. They went to the Super Bowl. And let's not forget, in 2011, when they went to the Super Bowl, they had a historically bad defense, at least yardage allowed-wise. They were okay points against. But historically bad yards allowed. And they still were, what, five minutes away from winning a Super Bowl? So I think Bill O'Brien comes in with a lot of credibility immediately. And he's the rare Belichick assistant. I put him and Brian Flores in this category that left New England and had success. Brian Flores had back-to-back -back winning seasons in Miami. Bill O'Brien got to the playoffs a few times with Houston. He also rebuilt Penn State in the worst possible circumstances. Yeah. So he comes in immediately with a lot more credibility than Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. And I think, and this is something that all successful organizations do, and I think the Patriots don't get enough credit for this. They admit mistakes pretty quickly and move on, whether it's draft picks they move on from, signings they move on from. And in this case, I think Belichick, Kraft, everybody there realized this Patrician judge thing was a mistake. And instead of being stubborn about it, they moved on from the two of them. They now have a 
basically a completely new offensive staff is with Nick Cayley leaving for the Rams as well. And I don't really blame him as much as I do Patricia and judge, but I think the credibility of Bill O'Brien himself and also the credibility of admitting, Hey, we made a mistake. Let's reset this and move forward with it. I think that goes a long way with the players, but to your point, I still think there's some work to do there to reestablish that trust, that credibility as they move forward, but they've at least taken some positive steps so far. Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's a great way to put it. Admitting mistakes quickly. There was, and I thought honestly, like by mid season, there was no way they were going to run this back. And I knew that there were a bunch of people that were worried about it. Oh yeah. If they make the playoffs, are they going to think this is, this is okay to, to try again for a second straight year? I was like, no, no, I, I think there's just too much dysfunction, too many people upset by it. And ultimately they go out and get the guy that I think really makes the most sense for this team, for this offense, for this quarterback in Mac Jones. Now, Bill O'Brien, I think if you if you took him and just put him on last year's roster and the coaching staff that they put together now, you just put Bill O'Brien on there and I feel like they're probably a playoff team. All they had I'd to agree. do was yeah. all they yeah. had to do was get to 9 wins and they probably would have done it with a competent offense. That said, while Bill O'Brien might get you to being a playoff team, I don't think he by himself gets you into, oh, now you're going to be a top 10 offense and you're going to be a Super Bowl contender. I feel like this team still has some holes that it needs to fill. I want to get your opinion on this. For your, your off-season plan, your, your fix the Patriots plan to get them to a point where they could potentially win a playoff game and make actual noise this year. What are your priorities in free agency and the draft to get the best version of the New, the New England Patriots on the field? So look, the first priority was get a competent offensive coordinator. So they checked that box, but beyond that, they got to improve offensive tackle. Trent Brown was inconsistent. Right tackle was really a turnstile for them. I know Connor McDermott kind of settled things later in the year, but to me, that's a depth piece. That's not the guy you want as your starting right tackle. And so, and look, Marcus Cannon had barely played football in the last three years. He was starting games for you. Isaiah Wynn was just flat out bad. So they need to improve right tackle. And I think they have a couple options here. So they can go the free agency route. I love Mike McGlinchey. I hope that's the guy they sign. That's my guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, or if that's going to, and that is going to be a lot of money. If they want to sign, say, Isaac Siamalu at guard and put Mike on Wenu back out at right tackle where he was great in 2020. I think that's another option, but really I think they need to leave this off season with two new tackles, a starting right tackle and someone at left tackle that either can start or push Trent Brown to get the best version of Trent Brown week in and week out. And I look at left tackle as that's your first round pick. I want that to be the okay. first round pick, whether it's Paris Johnson or, or whoever they like, at 14th overall, I think because I think it's easier to sign the right tackle. I think Orlando Brown at 26 years old is going to cost a boatload of money in yeah. cap space. And, and frankly, I think Mike McGlinchey might be a little bit of a better player, at least this year. I thought not that Orlando Brown was bad, but I think it's close. And I think you're better off addressing the right tackle or again, right guard and moving on when in free agency, the left tackle in the draft. So that's step one roster wise. Step two is outside corner. They need a longer man coverage outside corner. And I love Jonathan Jones. I want them to resign him. I've been on the Jonathan Jones bandwagon since 2018. But he did struggle against Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs. What's the common theme there? There are two guys that were just as athletic as him, 
but also bigger than him. And I think that's the trouble when you ha- like, he's very athletic. He's one of the fastest players in the NFL, but when you have someone that can match him athletically and is also bigger than him, that's tough. And look, the Patriots teams that have won Super Bowls, stop me if you've heard this before, they had Tom Brady, but they also always had a big physical man coverage outside corner. Ty Law, even Asante Samuel could do it. I know he's more of a zone guy. Darrell Rivas, Malcolm Butler, Stefan Gilmore, big physical outside man corners. And with the proliferation of receivers in the passing game today, you, you have to have that. So that even though I know that's not offensively and the defense is good last year, to me that's number two. And then number three, they got to fix special teams. Some, I mean, their special teams was a major problem in 2021. It got worse, I felt, last year. And we can talk more about that in a bit. But number four, they need some sort of, and I don't know how you find it. Well, there's ways to find it, a legit A-plus offensive weapon. And yeah. every time they've won this, and look, it doesn't have to be, you know, the reincarnation of Randy Moss, which would be mm-hmm. fine, but they won Super Bowls with Rob Gronkowski is the A plus option. They found a way in 2001 for Troy Brown to have 101 catches. Like the, it's got, and maybe that guy is there. Maybe with a better offensive coordinator, we see Kendrick Bourne get a thousand yards receiving. He had 800 in 2021 with the rookie Mac Jones. Maybe it's they find a way to get Ramondre Stevenson more involved in the pass game. I still don't know if a running back is going to carry you to the Super Bowl, but they need some sort of a plus weapon. So if I'm trying to improve the Patriots offensive tackle by far first, then corner special teams, and then some sort of high end offensive weapon. So I'm curious there. So for one receiver, wasn't, it wasn't specifically receiver. It's a plus offensive weapon, which I like that because that leaves the door open for Maybe there's a really good tight end out there yeah. that, that you might be interested in in the draft that could become that. I want to ask this. Would you re-sign Jacoby Myers? I would, but I have a limit on him. And I think it's probably the 12 to $14 million a year range. And look, the franchise tag for receiver, it's a little over $19 yeah, million. Bucks. Yeah, and I think the transition tag is like 17 and a half. 17, too. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Right. So you're not doing that. The thing about Jacoby Myers, and I like him a lot. He's been probably their best receiver over the last five years, or at least ever since 2019, because Edelman that year was okay, and then you had Myers come in in 2020. So if you just look at them, I know he hasn't played all those years, but just over that span in the offense, he's probably been their best receiver. The thing I think they need even more so, and I mentioned A-plus playmaker, they need a slot receiver like a Troy Brown, Welker, Edelman, that it's third and five, and they can get you six yards on a whip route. And I love Jacoby Myers, not really his game to do that. He will find a hole in his zone like nobody's business, and he does a great job. So I like him, and I want him back, especially because I figure Nelson Aguilar will be gone anyway. But I want to spend more money on offensive tackle than I do on Jacoby Myers if it comes down to it. And like if I sign Mike McGlinchey and Jamel Dean and Jacoby Myers leaves, I still feel better about my roster. Because I think that outside corner and that tackle are just bigger needs right now. I mean, it's nothing against Myers. But again, I want Myers back. My ceiling's about 14. Because the other thing, too, is if I'm spending $14 million on Jacoby Myers, well, for $5 million more bucks, can I just trade for T. Higgins and give him an extension? And he's a better player. So that kind of creeps into that conversation as well. So I love Myers as a player. Great guy in the locker room. I want him back. I'm not giving them 18 or 19 million bucks a year, though. 
Nope. Nope. That's and, and I mean, as somebody who really likes Jacoby Myers as well, I couldn't do that either. Yeah. That's one of those where it's completely understandable if you let him walk out the door at that price. But yeah, if you're talking about 12 million, I could I could see that. But then you're talking about addressing wide receiver, you know, kind of in, in a different way. But especially if you if you did the way that you were suggesting, right, you, you sign McGlinchey, you sign a corner and then it's like, OK, maybe maybe your focus shifts a little bit in terms of your draft priorities. It'll be it's the, the team building aspect of this is really, really fascinating. But I want to get to big picture, like let's pan out away from this. I wrote something just after the Super Bowl that kind of posited the idea of the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles almost being like this representation of the two phases of the Patriots dynasty, where you had the first phase, which is more like the Eagles, where you got a young quarterback who's still pretty cheap and you have a really good roster around him, which elevates him, but empowers him to elevate the team at the most important moments because it wasn't just Brady getting carried the entire time. I mean, he still had to make plays clutch plays at very important moments in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, And he did, but then you had the second phase, which is we have the best quarterback in football and that's why we're here. And the rest of the team might not really be that special, but we got that dude. And that dude is why you're going to be there every single year. I think the Patriots are closer to this current version of the Patriots are closer to the more complete team aspect than the elite quarterback aspect. Do you think a Patriots team that is built that way can compete with the Bills, the Bengals and the Chiefs? So, look, I think it's possible, but I think it puts more onus, as you kind of alluded to, on the rest of the roster, right? So we're not going to have the 2014 Patriots here with the best quarterback in the league and a loaded roster all around him, right? That's just not what we're going to have. We're not going to have the 2016 Patriots where Tom Brady can do absolutely no wrong all season long. So you're going to have to have those pieces around him like 03, like 04. And I think we started to see that in the draft last year, right? The Patriots had a big emphasis on speed and athleticism because in that Buffalo Bills playoff loss a couple of years ago, they looked slow, especially on defense. Their offense was plodding along. And just look at their draft last year. Cole Strange was number one in relative athletic score. Tyquan yeah. Thornton was number five. Jax Jones was 22nd. Pierre Strong was number five. Even Chasen Hines, I think, was in the top five in relative athletic score. And Marcus Jones... He didn't test because of a shoulder surgery, but I he think he would have been, been up there. Yeah, he probably would have been a top 10 guy. So they put a huge emphasis on speed and athleticism. And I think that's what you need in today's NFL. If there's one word besides quarterback that separates teams, it's speed. You look at the speed the Chiefs have across the board on their team. Look at their defense. They're starting rookie, three rookies in their defensive backfield but they're three of the most athletic guys on the field, so yeah. they're able to make up for it. Look at the Bengals' receiving core and how much speed is there, or their defensive backfield. Look at the Eagles' pass rush and how much speed is. So I think for the Patriots, can they beat a team like that? I do believe so, but I think they really have to improve that athleticism. They have to improve the pass protection because Mac Jones is going to need more time. And I think if they... Those things we talked about earlier, the outside corner, the tackles, improving special teams, that's going to help too. Because look, if you're going to beat the Chiefs and they have Mahomes and you don't, you got to win on the margins too. If you're going to beat the Bills, you got to win on the margins. Bengals, you got to win 
all these teams you got, which for 20 years, the Patriots were great at. They would always win on the margins in the last two years. They haven't been great at winning on the margins. So I think that's how you do it. You, you find elite athletes to put around Jones on both sides of the ball. You fix your special teams and then you win those games on the margins. And then I think you can beat those teams in the coming years. But again, it's like you have to play an A plus game and they have to play like an A to A minus game. And then you can, if that makes sense, and then you can yeah. beat them. Yeah. I mean, I think the last couple of years kind of showed that where the margin for error for the Patriots was so much, so much less than some of these other teams that just had better talent. And I think that it's going to, they would have to upgrade their roster to an insane degree to kind of close some of those gaps. But again, a lot of it is going to depend on one Michael McCorkle Jones and seeing what he can do in year three. I hope they give him a little bit of, I don't, I don't know if they're going to get the big signing, the big trade and pay like you got for Josh Allen or Jalen hurts or Tua a tongue of Iloa, but give him something better besides just Bill O'Brien. Yeah. And then let's see how this whole operation turns out. Yeah, I, I agree. I think first you got to protect them better with the offensive tackles and improved offensive line coaching. Like a lot of people don't talk about mm -hmm. Matt Patricia mm -hmm. wasn't just the OC. He was yeah. the offensive line coach while they were changing protection schemes. I mean, that's two massive jobs and the offensive line suffered from that. And I think Adrian Clem, look, I know there's some criticism of how his tenure with the Pittsburgh Steelers ended, but he's a competent committed offensive line coach, which is something they did not have last year. So that alone, I think will go a long way towards fixing the protection issues. And look, we also, Mac has to be better. Like yeah. Mac was inconsistent. They beat, if Mac doesn't throw three interceptions in the second half, they beat the Ravens at home in week three. And that's not the only performance he didn't. Play, there were long stretches of the season that he did not play well either. That Bears game, I know he got pulled and it was the zappy fever stuff, whatever, but he was bad early in that game. He deserved, and I know that you can tell me that was a plan and maybe it was. Either way, he deserved to get pulled. So I think Mac to me, yes, he was in a bad spot last year. I get it. And, and I understand his frustrations. He was also really inconsistent throughout most of the year. You know, and I go back to Miami week one, first possession of the game, they drive down the field and he throws an interception in the end zone. And maybe they win that game if they throw that. They only gave up, what, 13 offensive points in that game because one of it was yeah. a fumble recovery on a strip sack. So Max got to be more consistent than he was last year, too. So, yes, the pieces around him need to be better, but he's not absolved from some of his inconsistencies of the past season. Nope. No, indeed. And I think at this point, especially you hear some of the smoke around Maybe they don't see as big of a difference between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe that's stuff that's just hearsay or what have you. But if that's true in year three and the Patriots think they have a team that can win, then I don't know. You, you might not see as much margin for error for Mac Jones either. But again, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it positive. We're going to keep it optimistic right now. You know, good vibes. Mac Jones going to improve in year three. So we hope. Yo, John. Coach, thank you so much for joining me. This is so much fun. Cannot wait to do this again. I I would love to check in with you after after this team starts getting built. You know, when we start getting into the spring, and obviously, I want to check in, uh, you know, later on down the line and see how your guys are doing down there at Bridgewater State. Hey, it was an absolute pleasure, and I'm already looking forward to being on again. So, and hopefully, the Pats follow our plan. Be a lot yes. better next year.
Yes, please, God, follow some kind of plan that makes sense. Don't make us sit through that again. I don't want to have to go through training camp and watch the offensive line not be able to block anybody for however many weeks that was. That was not great. Not great. No, no, indeed. Yo, thank you so much. Pleasure, man.